Welcome back to the Jake's World Podcast. This week on the School of Unlearning, we are talking about the weapons of the dragon. Here's we're talking about the way of the lamb. Let's get started in this conversation. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm all right. <clears throat> I'm all right. I just gave you a sir in the intro. <sighs> Whoa. Yeah. Dude. And it's such an intriguing <laughs> intro. It is. Weapons of the dragon. It is. It sounds like a young adult's like fantasy novel series. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. Gabe, who's on staff with us. Wait, maybe we need I, to like full stop, stop what we're doing. Yes. And write a concept, you know, we should market quick. We should <laughs> about some, some young kid who's in a village Ooh. and feels like he has a great destiny. And yet he's just a, a surf, but oh. then he finds out he's actually got a prophecy and a, he's a king and there's a sword and something yeah. like that. And there's a girl and a girl and puberty. And he doesn't oh really like the girl. She's kind of icky, but not. <laughs> oh, interesting. Might've been done. What were you going to say about Gabe? That he and I are, uh, 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 fantasy geeks grow fantasy geeks growing up. And, uh, yeah. we discussed the, uh, the different things we had read and, and what, um, what travesties have been done, by people who have tried to make them into movies and and series <laughs> and um I, I like fantasy geeks. Yes. I like to put well, myself in there well, at least are, a little bit. We were discussing uh the Shannara series. Did you did mm, you read no. Shannara? You didn't. Well, they yes, that was it's kind of con- gone away, but it was formative for mm. our childhoods. It's one of those long series that had multiple spin-offs so it reaches a couple generations. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so, your microphone's running away on it you. It is. My microphone has decided that it does not want to play nice today. So Sometimes I, I wish we did have a video version because it's just kind of humorous <laughs> occasionally what we're trying to take care of while talking. <laughs> yes, there's many things going on in the minds of people as they are <laughs> trying to communicate. Now, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about weather. And the reason I'm bringing up weather is yes. because you, my friend, when you went to a beautiful paradise land called Florida... Oh. Decided that it was time to make sure I knew how beautiful the paradise land of Florida was while it was freezing here. And where are you going? I'm going to Phoenix, Arizona, which is currently sitting at 80 degrees. Oh, you're just And um, yes. It's going to be lovely next week, though. It's going to be like in the 30s next week. That is a nice time to be in Wisconsin. But I'm I'm also not going to scoff at the opportunity to have a little bit of sun on this very lily white skin of mine. And you're going to Phoenix, right? Yeah. My sister- had a baby Yay. back in October, and she lives far away, and so I haven't met my niece yet, and I'm we, super stoked. We have two new staff babies. We do. Ryan, who's new, mm-hmm. just landed. Yeah, little Jeff. Just now had a baby. So all they did was move from Vietnam to Wisconsin, start to do, start a new job, and have a baby in yeah. the space of like... And bought, I think, two vehicles, had to figure out... It, it's been yeah. insane. He looks <laughs> a little like, uh, just like he's in a bit of a daze, <laughs> but I, you know... We're going to give them that. <laughs> and then Mackenzie and Will had their baby. Yeah, little Theo. I got to see Theo yesterday. And... I am jealous. I am jealous. You Mackenzie, should be. I know that you listen to these. Yes. And if I have not seen Theo by the time that you listen to this podcast, just, feeling, you know. Feeling, you by, know. by the time you go to Arizona, maybe? Ooh. Is that, 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 that clock is, that is, is moving. Because feelings might be hurt. Hey, this is going to go live tomorrow. So it is. we'll just see what, what happens. You know, just try to, but the thing is just keep it between you and her. Don't go public with the, with the angst. Okay. Oh, Don't, okay. In okay. any way that. Sorry. So I should like dial this back right now. I guess the genie's we'll, out of the bottle. We'll pretend to edit this part. <laughs> yes. Of the, but Jordan, don't edit this part. We're doing fake air quotes right now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's babies all over the place right now. <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah. no, I'm I'm super excited about that trip. Um, excited for some sunshine and it's gonna be good. It is good. I'm happy for you. And uh, actually, Anne, we got all kinds of people going south this week. Anne's going to Disney and wow, yeah, world or land. Is there a difference? See, one's in California, one's in Florida. Florida. Going to Florida. Okay. See, for me, going to Disney would be a punishment. <laughs> I'm that guy who's like, this is expensive and it's hot and, you know, I don't want yeah. another funnel cake. I don't even know what they do. I've never been to Disney. I think so. they do have funnel cakes. Well, there you go. And like some magical foods that I wasn't allowed to buy when we went because we packed all of our food. Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Oh, so we were talking right before we started this. Um, I really enjoyed your message this weekend. And um, it's interesting when you have a long series like this, like Revelation. Yes, Yes, it's broken into four parts, but we've been talking about Revelation for months now. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about where we're going to go for that first series, um, um, The Overcomers, like we we were talking about where we were going and what needed to be laid down. And what I appreciated about this weekend is... um, there had been some good foreshadowing place. Right. I think all the way since the first week right. of, of where are we going? And we need to start setting up this dynamic that everybody understands yep. this war that we're getting close to yep. between the lamb and the dragon yeah. and understanding these two different ways of responding to the world. And I thought this week in particular was a, a great opportunity before everything goes down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to kind of assess the situation and really look at what separates these two forces. Well, and we really are getting into the weird part of revelation, the mushy middle <laughs> that is just like, wow, what's going on there. We, and- we were just talking about that because there's, there's something about the beginning stages, even yes. from like a writing standpoint, right? Where they, they make sense as, right. as complete messages, but the weird section of revelation is weird. Seals, bowls, <laughs> and trumpets. I mean, it's just like, oh what my. is exactly what is going on there? And, and, yeah, so I mean, uh, so these three messages in this second part of the Revelation we're going through are really thematic overviews of themes that are, are mm. core to this next section we're going to. So, you know, looking at this thing of talking about um, understand the dynamic with the war between uh, the dragon and the lamb. Um, and then this next week where we're going to be looking deeply at the theme and the core concept of what it means to be a martyr mm. or a witness. Those are the same words in Greek to witness and a martyr. And even foreshadowed a little, this little bit this weekend, where for me, the most important verse probably in this middle section is how do we overcome? We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Mm. And for the biblical writer and for biblical worldview, and actually this is actually the way it is in much of the world, a testimony is not what you say. A testimony is what you do. And so how you live is the indication of what you actually believe. That's why you read, when we get to the section on judgment, because there's big sections on judgment in this this part, and how do we make sense of judgment, and is judgment fair? One of the big questions Revelations want to ask is, is God fair? Is he just? Is he true? Is his judgment going to be something we're going to look at and say, that was fair? It's fair to the the person in Africa who never heard. It's fair mm. to the person who had a bad childhood. Is that justice fair? And uh, Revelations actually speaks to it directly. And so um, we're going to do some unpacking with that. Um, um, I'm excited for that, by the way. Yeah. I, I think I actually <laughs> think that this question that the church is struggling with to, to, to articulate, we actually have some really good answers. Mm-hmm. I think we've got really good answers. Is maybe, maybe the biggest reason people are either walking away from Christianity 
or really hesitant to be all in because um, they just really struggle with this idea of judgment and hell and eternal hell. And, Mm. you know, with everything we know about, you know, people's past pain and just how is the judgment? I mean, how does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and, and again, it all comes back to this issue of witness and testimony. Um, One of the things we're going to see about judgment, we're getting far afield here, but um, is that, you know, there's certain times you read in the scriptures where it seems to say judgment is all about who knows Christ, who doesn't know Christ. You know, you prayed the prayer, you, you, you have a relation with Christ. Those are the folks get in. Then there's other times where it just very clearly seems to be a judgment of works. It seems to be, you'll be judged by what you have done. And people have tried to solve that in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. I think the answer ultimately is going to be in this concept of witness that, that, what you do is an indication of what you believe. And so the idea of a person saying, oh, I believe, but nothing in my life indicated that I believed yeah. is just completely inconsistent with, I mean, the apostle Paul would have looked at you and said, what, that, what, what, you know, you, 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 and, and it, and it does become kind of a self-evident truth where you just kind of say, you know, um, I believe but there's no evidence that you believe. There's no indication you believe. I mean, if, if we believe, like right now, if you and I believed that someone had just come back from the, uh, the Twin Cities and brought fresh Krispy Kreme donuts in the kitchen. I'd be pre- pressing pause. We'd be pressing pause and we'd be on. Right now. But do you, you don't believe that because you're still sitting here. So your actions indicate <laughs> that there's an absence of belief, which there should be because... As far as I know, I totally made that up. Oh, let me just check you think the staff there's a email chance? real quick. Is Maybe, there an all staff? No, <laughs> it, I, I totally made it up, but now I kind of want a donut. So uh, uh, so we'll be driving the cities later today. Mm. Um, we'll stop at Chick-fil-A. It'll all, it'll all work okay. Mm. Anyway, the, the whole point is um, um, your actions, or your belief is is played out. So that's yeah. what it means to give testimony. So how do you overcome the 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 dragon? By embracing all that is in the blood of the lamb. You know, both the atonement um, the victory over Satan, the the example, and then by living that out as though that actually is true. Mm-hmm. That's how you overcome in the midst of this. And so... That feels um, like it's going to be a really satisfying um, answer to the whole faith works conversation. Yes. And it's a, it's, it is an important theological conversation to have. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's cool that revelation is going to afford us the opportunity to have that conversation. That's exactly right. And I think that... Um, I think that... Uh, I mean, I think Revelations is going to help us with that question. It's going to help us, with the, again, this question of, is God fair? Is mm-hmm. hell a thing? What is hell? And um, um, is it fair that, you know, are people going to be sent? What's it going to be like? I mean, I mean, and is God fair? You know, um, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, Revelations argues that he is. There's a huge point in the in Revelations where they break out in a song. And the song, just like the song we just, we saw a couple weeks ago about, um, about um, you are worthy. Mm-hmm. There's another song whose theme is just and true are all your ways, Lord God Almighty. So great, so marvelous are all of your deeds. So Lord God Almighty, you know, who will not fear you because you're just and true. There's a holy awe that, okay, he's going to be fair. And um, mm-hmm. whew, all right, so um, so it, it is once both relieving of the tension, but also sobering mm-hmm. for us to examine our life. So um, I, one thing that's really stood out to me, you know, we, and we addressed this at the beginning of the series is revelation. We've, we've talked as much about what this book isn't right as what, as what it is. Right. And, you know, so much attention, my entire faith journey, uh, for this book has been put on that, that roadmap to the end of the world. Yes. 
So it's been so refreshing each week to realize that this book, and it should make sense. It is literally the last book. It is, it is capstoning everything. Like there are connections to the beginning of Genesis and all peppered throughout the entire, entirety of scriptures. Psalms, Jesus, Jesus is teaching the gospel of John. I mean, yeah. So that's why I think as you're teasing where we're going with that kind of faith works conversation, it's like, oh man, there's just another side of how this this book is doing such a great job of recapping, concluding, mm-hmm. um, bringing it all to a point of like, oh, yep, it, it's one unified story. Well, and we haven't even begun to see it because the seven seals are all about um, Ezekiel. The seven um, um, trumpets are all about the plagues of Egypt, actually. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, so you, you have the foreshadowing of all that. So when, when you start seeing it, um, the book becomes a lot less mysterious but it also becomes a lot more convicting because mm. it's not about anticipating how things are going to be in the future. It's about how am I supposed to live now? How am I supposed to live now in the midst of this battle where every temptation is to abandon the way of the lamb, even in the name of the lamb mm. and to, and to, and to take some kind of shortcut. Um, it, 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 uh, it makes the book so much more um, real and relevant. I, 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 it's been a long time since I felt as called to do a book as, as I felt called to do Revelation um, and why we're spending so much time in it because I, I don't know that there's a book that speaks more directly to the spirit of the age right now um, for Christians and what I see going on culturally and globally um, where I really do believe that for Christians— we're going to really struggle to have a place to live. One of the statements I said this last weekend, I was just talking to a guy who called me about something else and was mentioning the message. And he said, when you said this, it really resonated with me um, that I just don't feel like I have a home on the left or the right. Mm -hmm. I just don't feel like I have a home. And I can't tell you how particularly young people have said that to me. I had, I had lunch with a a young 20 something the other day. And this person said, you know, a couple of years ago, I didn't know how politics works. And then I thought I should know. And I learned and he said, I, and he said, I'm so sorry I did. He said, mm-hmm. I just wish I was ignorant yeah. again. It was so blissful being ignorant. And now I know. And it just, it's, and, and unfortunately, I mean, cause there is a nobility to politics. Politics done well as a calling. There are people mm-hmm. who are called to, there are great statesmen and women who, who govern for the common good, like the lamb. So I'm not saying you can't actually throw up politics. I'm saying there's a different way to do it, but those ones who choose to do it right now, there's not a place for them to stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it just really is hard and, and, um, yeah. So anyway, so, so we do, we live in a time where, um, what are we going to, what are we going to, how are we going to stand? Um, this has happened before. I mean, we mentioned this before, um, John Mark Comer, we're reading his book, live no lies. He, he makes reference, I think in live no, live no lies. It might've been a podcast. I heard he did that. This is very similar to the fifth century, the fifth mm-hmm. century where, Christians had been established as the main religion in the late Roman Empire, and then the Roman Empire was in decline, and then um, Rome got sacked by the Visigoths, and then there was this this kind of um, um, renewal of pagan religion, mm. where people were coming and saying, the reason Rome fell is because we turned away from the pagan gods who protected us for a thousand years. And, and so, so Christianity went from a time where it was completely disenfranchised to be a Christian for the 300 years. And then uh, like 150 years were totally, you know, it was like everyone's a Christian and Mm. that made you up really mobile to once again, then culturally Christianity was on the outs and they were losing their influence. 
it started costing something to become a Christian again. I really do believe that to choose the way of love, to choose the way of the Lamb, is just going to cost us more. It's mm-hmm. going to cost us more and more, and it's going to cost us something as simple as people just aren't going to like us. People are going to say terrible things about us. People are going to want to isolate us from public discourse, and and um, and our temptation is going to be, oh, no, they're not going to take from me. We're not going to lose our position in our place. And that was the, the big thing I wanted to communicate this last weekend, that that the temptation, two two big temptations, one is to see the devil in the other side. You know, I, I and I've actually had some people approach me who are on the left, and they said things like, Paul, you're really letting the right have it because they're the dragon. Mm. And then I quietly and gently try to shepherd them back to, well, let's talk about the dragon on your side. Let's start with the log in your own eye. And then I've talked to some people on the right who are saying, Paul, you're just nailing it. Those guys on the left, they're the dragon. Well, the, the extremes are the dragon. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the ones that vilify people, slander, lie, manipulate, give disinformation, justify verbal attacks and even physical attacks. That's the dragon, whether it's left or right. Solzhenitsyn said, we think these things go in opposite directions, these movements, but they actually, when they become extreme, come back and become the same kind of oppression. Mm. And so we just, we're in an age of extremes. And so, um, and so uh, um, that's the big temptation. The first temptation is to see the devil in the other person, see the dragon on the other side. The second is to, to, to fall into this dynamic that's saying, okay, I want to be with the lamb. I want to actually work for good things, good things I, I love and I think are important. And that's the interesting thing about people on both sides of a debate. Very rarely do you have a person who's actually advocating for something they think is bad mm. or something evil. People who are on the left believe in things like justice and goodness and fairness and equity. They just disagree on how to get there. Mm-hmm. People on the right believe in justice and liberty and freedom. They believe in good things. They want good things. And so all of us want to say, okay, yeah, I want to do the thing of the lamb. The danger is, is that when we, when, we, when we do the work of the lamb, something in the name of the lamb, the temptation is to do it using the weapons of the dragon. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the weapons of the dragon. They're, they're dishonesty. They're skewing the truth. It, it, it's... It's justifying behavior. It's it's um, bullying, it, and then it goes all the way to violence and hatred. It's it's misusing money, and we love to catch the other side doing it. And that's the, that's the thing that's interesting about scandal, is that there's plenty on both sides. You know what I'm saying? And so so the temptation is for us to say because of what I'm doing, it's so important, and if I don't do it, no one will. That that's a big statement about God, by the way to say, if I don't stop this, no one will. If we don't get the right person elected, you know, or if that wrong person gets elected, mm-hmm. well, then God, I mean, we're, we're without hope. We just can't get through it. That's a big statement. And therefore, that justifies me leaving my ethics, leaving my standards, putting up with things that I should not have put up with. So we, in the name of the Lamb, fight the way of the dragon, okay? Um, and, and what we end up having is... is um, the dragon laughing because um, it's not about your ideals, what you stand for. It's what you do. This comes back to the whole concept about witness or testimony. The testimony of many who claim they're doing things for the lamb is the dragon's actually more powerful. The dragon's way is more effective. The dragon way is better. I mean, you know, in the real world in business or school or politics or education, or even in the relationships I've got, you got to do some lying. 
I mean, you got to do some cheating. You got to, you got to be tough. You know, you, you know what it takes to be tough. It takes, what it takes to be tough is to do the right thing. It takes to, to dying on the cross. You got to be pretty tough. I mean, and so what is real strength? This is Jesus's whole discourse in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. The meek is the person who is powerful, who could use their power in the way of the dragon, but they restrict their power. They control their power and they use it for the common good. They used to serve mm-hmm. and to love and protect. And so the temptation to, again, in the name of the lamb, you know, fight like the dragon to accomplish the purposes of the lamb. Yeah. You can get some short wins. I mean, you can get some laws passed. You can get, you know, you you can get things cleaned up. But history has a way of it of making it come back on you, and 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 you won't inherit the earth. You'll inherit conflict. The, the people who live by peace and love and who use their strength in a protective, life giving manner. Those are the ones who ultimately. I mean, some of them may get martyred. That's part of the deal. That's part of the witness. But ultimately, their ideas are so compelling and so much more compelling compared to the ideas of the dragon, mm-hmm. where ultimately they rise and enough people say, oh, that's what we want. That's actually what we want. Mm-hmm. That's actually right, good, just, and true. And so to play the long game, to stick with integrity, to stick with character, um, that that's, that's, the, that, that's the call. That's the challenge. And it's hard. I mean, I, I find even, you know, leading the church sometimes, you know, that, um, you know, there's a temptation to say, you know, if we just didn't talk about this or if we, if we supported this or, or if we, you know, what will people want? And then you just shake your head and say, no, 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 no. That that's, I mean, that's so temporary. It's building a kingdom here on earth. I've, I've found that too is, is when, when I'm less healthy or yes. if I'm afraid of people, you start to lead and you start to make choices and decisions out of what will get the least number of, ne- <laughs> of negative comments. Right. You know, so rather than leading out of a, a position of what is for me, you know, there's a lot of artistry and worship, like what, what is creatively fulfilling and what's beautiful and what would be, what would be the best thing? What would be honored God to bring people to God, right? bring the message forward. You go the opposite and you think, well, what would, what would please them? What yes. would, what would get people so that they, that they don't say mean things. And, yes. and, um, yeah, that's not a, that's not any way to lead or to be uh, truly doing it for God at all. You're yes. doing it for the people. And, and it can become addictive. I mean, it can be all about likes, mm. uh, like Facebook, you know, they talk yeah, about yeah. how getting likes is actually gives you an endorphin thing and it can actually be an addictive thing. Um, and, and you find yourself, okay, am I doing something in the name of the lamb? Like the dragon, am I using force and anger and coercion? Am I being subtly dishonest? Am I bringing just enough truth and then twisting it so that you're, you're constantly having to, um, stay in love relationship with the lamb. That's, that's the key. Um, be just giving the Holy spirit opportunity to search, you know, you try, you test your motives, be open to feedback, surrounding yourself with good counsel of godly people. Um, you, you've got to also do things like take care of yourself, take days off, spiritually stayed centered yourself. If you're calling everybody to pray and you're not praying, Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, 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 that's the dragon is what it is. It's a, it's hypocrisy. It's a, it's a fundamental form of dishonesty. And so, so man, it's, it's, um, it's a battle. So again, it comes back to that whole thing. This is where the battle is fought. This is the war that we are waging. And if there are times where we feel weary or we feel tired or we need to go to Arizona, <laughs> you know, um, um, 
that we should we should validate that we should say that's that's the way it's supposed to be in the middle of a war because because it is raging mm. and well and 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 two you know one, one of the, the things we talked a little just a little bit about this last weekend but it just it when i thought about this and i was meditating on it and and i just thought about times in history where the church has totally gotten off the rails I mean, just totally gotten off the rails. And there's, I mentioned three, but there's a bunch actually. Yeah. I mean, whether you're talking about westward expansion and manifest destiny, we're talking about colonization mm-hmm. of Africa, whether we're talking about, you know, um, the marriage of, of materialism and prosperity gospel. I mean, those are all times where in the name of the lamb, we did some really draggish, draggish things. The three big ones in history, the ones that atheists will say, that's what Christianity produces. Mm-hmm. Are, are the Crusades? You know, so the Crusades were this idea of of um, we gotta we gotta go to war. We gotta go to war to to take back this land. It's a difficult conversation because a big part of the Crusades was a reaction because you had the Muslim um, expansion and the Muslim expansion. The interesting thing about uh, Muslim expansion is Islam never expanded based on its ideas. It based it expanded through war mm-hmm. and where. Um, Christianity tended to expand through its ideas. I mean, people will say that can't be true. If you actually look into it, you're going to find, you know, like, like no one conquered Ireland to make it Christian. This guy by the name of St. Patrick, who was a slave there, went back there and taught Christianity and it swept across, swept across, you know, Ireland on basis on ideas. And so, you know, North Africa was conquered by armies, you know, and they brought Islam. Mm -hmm. So, so, you have this reaction. How are we going to react in the midst of this? And some defense might have been justified. Certainly some defense was because if they hadn't done some defense, Islam probably would have swept all the way through through Europe. It's a really interesting time in history and a very interesting time for Christianity because it looked like Christianity was going to be knocked out, that Christianity was just going to be, if someone doesn't do something. Well, the reaction beyond that then became the thing of the Crusades. I'm trying to remember the medieval theologian I want to say it's Anselm. It's not Anselm. I forget his name, but he he's noted in his writings for two things. Writing about divine affections and the love of God and the other mobilizing Europe to go to war in the Crusades. Hmm. And it's it's such a contrast of of calling this. And then, and so what you have is you have these young um, Christian patriot French knights and Spanish knights and, and Italian knights, and they 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 rally and First Crusade works. They take Jerusalem and they hold it for about like seventy or hundred years, something like that. And then the 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 Islam Islam rolls back. It gets united under Saladin, and Saladin comes in and conquers it. And then there's a series of like four major Crusades over like I want to say like over two hundred years. Mm. And these get horrible. They get bloody and they get atrocities. And the worst part of it is, is at this part, the Eastern and the Western church are separated. I'm giving way too much history here. Um, <laughs> and, and the Western Christians who are really driving the crusades start killing the other Christians. Mm. And then you just go through this terrible time where crusades just become this, this horrible thing. And then the nights, it, it just, it's just a very, very dark period in, in, in history where war, you know, this is something people may not realize. Um, for the first 300 years, you can't find a Christian author who wasn't a pacifist. Mm. They just didn't believe in war. Now, we can have a big conversation about pacifism and defense and all that kind of stuff and believe in police force and all that kind of stuff. I do believe in all that. But the point is, is that 
how we got from that to a a warfare ethic is is a terrible thing and then of course you know our crusade becomes a metaphor for something anytime we would say okay we're going to use some kind of violence whether it be verbal violence or just kind of dishonesty or threat of uh, a fear of threat or one nation dominating another through violence that's all that same kind of spirit or if if you're an individual in an organization or a school or something like this and you see something that you just consider so important you know that you have justified going on a crusade about it i mean you have to ask yourself you know are you jesus said straining the gnat to swallow the camel you're focusing on something really small like making sure you don't eat the unclean gnat so you 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 strain your water but you're swallowing a camel which is a giant unclean thing it's basically saying you're focusing on a little thing, not a big thing. And people will do it in relationships, they'll do it in marriages, oh, yeah. and they will they will find a point they're right about, and they will park on it. Now, they may be wrong about 50 other things, but we go to crusades. Yeah. So this spirit is still the spirit of the dragon. So another example um, would be Inquisitions. Inquisitions is just one of the most um, horrible examples in history of just folly. And it's the idea that we are going to make someone believe something. <laughs> you know, this idea that what we believe is so important and that we want everybody to believe it. And we're not going to try to win based on love and our testimony and by having better ideas and by changing our bad ideas when they're confronted with better ideas. We're not going to, we're going to have that discourse. We're going to make a law mm-hmm. that you have to believe. And if you don't believe it, then we're going to disenfranchise you in some way. You have to pay some money or you can't work in a certain way or you can't teach in schools or to keep you away from the kids. This kind of spirit of inquisition. And then inquisition becomes, will go all the way. So you have the Spanish inquisition in Takamata where they literally tortured people into professing faith. And then you have the horrible, terrible stories of um, the Jewish people being thrown out of one country after another. The biggest example is in Spain under Isabel and Ferdinand who were the guys who sent Christopher Columbus. They, they expelled the Jews from Spain. And, and it caused an economic downturn because uh, the Jews were bankers and they were actually a huge benefit to Spain. They were a huge blessing to Spain. And they threw them out, um, all in the name of, of um, this nationalism. It's interesting. There, there are Christian martyrs throughout the world today. But if you were to add up all the Christian martyrs in history, I think you would find that most of the people who were martyred for Christian, their Christian faith were martyred by other Christians. Isn't that ironic? And that, that we would try to force an idea. And so that spirit of saying, rather than engaging in honest dialogue, rather than letting my example of love be compelling, I'm going to do something to try to control your thought. I'm going to keep you out. I'm going to take away your voice. I'm going to pass a law about, about your ideas. I'm going to make your way of thinking. Now, I'm you know, in a joke Sunday. I'm glad we don't do this anymore. But of course, we're, we're in a spirit now. Mm-hmm. We're both left and right. We're trying to control each other's thoughts. Mm-hmm. And even the the thing that should really concern us and make us really uh it's a danger to free speech is the nature of like facebook and the algorithms that they control to keep you from hearing things you don't want to hear that you should hear the other side mm-hmm. i mean we really we really have it's a spirit of inquisition it's a spirit of you know um you know ideas and and you know we could have the con- the conversation the rant about ca- cancel culture and i i think cancel culture is completely in inconsistent with the nature of Christianity and forgiveness and not defining people by their worst moments. But 
but it is a form of just trying to say, you can't say that you can't think that you can't believe that. And, and someone's going to determine that. So, so again, and so what it makes a lot of people do is just shrink back. So it makes a lot of good people say, well, I'm not going to say anything. And then there's other people say, well, they're not going to say it to me. I'm going to say really obnoxious things really loud. And so we're, we're handling it horrible, horribly. Anyway, that's the spirit there. And then the third is witch hunts. So, um, witch hunts are burning heretics is the idea that, that we're going to find people who are especially evil because they're so dangerous. You know, we're going to expose them and then we're going to publicly display them. And then we're going to, uh, have them die in one of the worst ways that they can publicly die. Now, one thing I will say about witch hunts is the number of actual witch hunts in history is greatly, greatly exaggerated. It really didn't happen that often. You'd, you'd think there'd be millions and millions. It's just, it's just not like that. But what was actually more common was burning heretics. That is to say, uh, this was common during the Middle Ages and the Reformation and the the um, Hundred Year War, the Thirty Year War. These were Christians fighting other Christians over theological ideas. Yeah. I mean, this idea that you would you would they're so wrong that it justifies one of the one of the reformers who uh, was in the Reformed tradition. His name was Zwingli. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, he died on the battlefield swinging a, a battle axe. I mean, in a battle. Um, and I want to think. I want to say it was Martin Luther. Maybe it wasn't Luther. One of the other reformers said he deserved it. I mean, it it just it it is amazing how far we can get with these ideas. And then you you come back to the Sermon on the Mount. You come back to the teaching of Jesus and and the original church fathers, and you realize, my goodness. And of course we go on witch hunts, right? We get hung up about some issue. I mean, um, and you know, you know, it's amazing during the election, how many people, um, had their families blown up, mm-hmm. just had their families blown up. It, it, it grieved me beyond grief that, that people were so, um, invested in their ideals and their ideas that it just, it just. I mean, they ended relationships. And so, so this, this whole spirit of, of the dragon, I mean, I think the dragon's having a ball right now. I think he's laughing. He's got us divided. He's got us, you know, forgetting to love. And so what's the message? The message is for us to all take a deep breath and just acknowledge all that's out there and to come back and say, okay, what's the way of love here? What's the way of patience? What's the way of forgiveness? What's the way of grace? What's And to be meditating on all the Bible says about love, uh, meditating on the examples of Jesus, because Jesus was in an incredibly tense, polarizing situation when he was alive, that ultimately the political situation in Jesus' day would ultimately culminate in Jerusalem being destroyed in 70 AD. The whole city was just annihilated in a bloodbath, a bloodbath. Rome just came and said, oh, we're done with this, and they just flattened it. I mean, and, and I want to say it was like several hundred years before Jews were even allowed to live back in that, in Jerusalem. I mean, it was, it, the, the, the crimes of humanity are vast and, um, we shouldn't be surprised in that. And so when Christianity embraces the way of the dragon, we fall right in line. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, 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 um, and that's why it, for me, this book is just so important for us at this time that the temptation for us, again, to say in the name of the Lamb, because either either some issue or I've got to protect myself or we're going to lose what we have or ideas are so important that I justify fighting like the dragon 
you know, it's just going to lead us to, to, um, man, just not a great place. No. And, and it strikes me, it's so sad, (laughs) uh, listening to you explain and, and remind these situations. And I think it's important for us to remember that the people who did these things, they claimed to believe in Jesus. Right. They claimed to, to be following the lamb. And you can see that distortion, and I, I can't help but imagine that those are some of the scenarios that Jesus was thinking of when he said he's going to have to respond, I never knew you. Right. You know, it, it goes back to that testimony conversation. Uh, our actions really do demonstrate the, the core What beliefs. we believe. And, um, yeah, it, it, is, uh, it is sobering. There's, there's something very, very... Um, yeah, I, I feel unsettled yeah. because of this conversation. And I hope any one of us do. And and we have to be vigilant because, yes, it's kind of easy to look at those examples and be like, wow, boy, did they get so far afield. Well, and, we would never do that. Right. And we, yet we miss the subtlety of what's going on. And it reminds me, you mentioned the book that we're reading as a staff, Live No Lies. In this chapter that we just were focused on, it talked about the subtlety mm-hmm. of the techniques of Satan. And I, I really appreciated that. It, um, the author, John Mark Comer, he, he says, it's not as if Satan tries to attack us in the way that like an army in World War II right. or the Civil War would. It's not two almost equal opposing forces smashing into each other. It's more this guerrilla style, manipulative spy technique of, of subtly changing truth and giving disinformation and in in such a way that you might still think that you're doing the right thing yes. um and uh, all that just feels like it it connects and and to the point that you said at the beginning the revelation's not so much about what's coming next and yes there's part of that but this idea that it's very much speaking to what's literally happening right now right. how any of any of us could be listening to this conversation and not say that is our world right we're right. living in it. We're right. steeped in it. Yep. Well, and I think that, that, I mean, history is just a testimony of it, of just the time, you know, and, and it's not like, and this is the thing the atheists are wrong, the new atheists are wrong about. The new atheists are saying, see, that's what Christianity brings. No, 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 no. That's what's in humanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing happened in all, you could go through Chinese history. You can go through African history. You can go what's going on in Africa today. I mean, you, you can just see the atrocity is a human condition. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is, is that Christianity gets muddled up in it and advances it when it marries the lamb. This is what we're going to discover is the whore of Babylon who rides the beast. You know, so again, you know, the, the, the revelation is, you know, the dragon, has Babylon. From Babylon comes these beasts. One is economic oppression. One is military oppression. And then you have the whore who rides the beast, which is the person who says, I'm with the lamb, but I'm going to do. So, so the, if, if nothing else, people should look at revelation says revelation actually predicted this. It, it did predict, it didn't predict, you know, the dates and times and you know, war of the roses and all those kinds of things like that. It, it, it predicted that this is the cycle that we're always going to have to be. This is the trick of the the devil to get us to do God's things his way. And, and, and it'll lead to just the worst kinds of humanity. Now, let me give a little hope because mm-hmm. if you, if you only look at history from that perspective, and it's very fashionable to just look at history from that perspective right now, it's kind of the deconstructionist postmodern, it's all power structure and none of it matters. You're going to see through history too, remarkable men and women who are always fighting people of peace who 
did good things, even within like, for instance, the monastic movement, the monastic movement was all about starting a monastery in a town, building a wall, building a community and keeping it safe, preserving literature and, and, and art. And, um, it, monasteries get a bad rap because we think of monks beats, slapping themselves on the back and the monastery saved Europe. I mean, it saved education. The monasteries gave birth to the university gave birth to the hospitals. There were always people who were um, very, very rarely were they kings and potentates, the people who seemed to really, you know, you know, make history happen. But they were the people who were the Christians during plagues who ran back into cities instead of coming out of cities. You have pietistic movements, you have renewal movements, you have um, early Puritans. Puritans, again, get really bad rap, but the Puritans and some of the later Puritans deserve some of the bad rap. Mm. But the early Puritans were all about uh, love, Philadelphia, brotherly love. I mean, they they had ideals, and, and there was there's a constant need for us to renew, for for people of good faith who rarely have the 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 power of Babylon, but they have a different power. They they are the meek who inherit the earth, and even so much of what we celebrate about modern society was born from the seeds of Christianity. Uh, I mentioned Tom Holland book Dominion, which is a, a stunning book. Um, you know, everything from... Shout out to Tom Holland n- and both the Tom Hollands one more yes, time. Yes, yes. Just a little Spider-Man and the great uh, British uh, <laughs> historian. <laughs> both I still British. think we're going to get that call. We are, from Tom Holland. And he's going to be like, hey, that I'm will coming to the States. be the, either one, actually. I the would, one I chose is Wisconsin in winter, and boy, this is going to be great. <laughs> will you be disappointed in me if I were more excited about the historian than the actor? That doesn't surprise me in any way, All right, shape, good. or form. All right. But we're in disagreement. All right. We'll add that to the sweater conversation. Um, but but so much of, of the modern world, uh, the idea of justice for all people, that's an inherently Christian ideal. It only comes from Christianity. The idea of the secular state is actually born from, it actually comes out a lot of the conflicts where people just recognized, oh, we can't have religion driving our political discourse. We can't marry those in that way. I mean, the idea of, of, of just, just, um, golly, faithfulness within marriage, the empowerment of women, you know, even slavery. People say, oh, Christianity advocated slavery. Christianity never advocated slavery. Misguided slaveholders who were Christians didn't let God work that out in their heart and life. Yep. I mean— And they wanted excuses that, to yeah, yeah. validate what they were doing. Christianity is the reason why, in most of the world, Christ, uh, slavery is outlawed. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the crimes of slavery are— it's the human story. Um, and particularly the, the slavery in North America was particularly egregious and horrifying. And, and, um, we just can't say that enough. That was horrifying. Um, but, um, for, for the slaveholders who were preaching sermons about the biblical institution of slavery, there were abolitionists in the North who were passionate people of faith, who were, who were preaching, the unity of all people, every tribe, every nation, every color, the brotherhood of humanity. And so we're all striving to get back to our ideals. So it's it's not a linear line. It's not a, a clear path. But the ideas of Jesus um, are winning. They're better ideas. You know, things like love and justice and inclusion, things like turning the other cheek, forgiving, going the extra mile. They're just better ideas. They're a, it's a better way to live. It's a better way to... Um, build a world. And whenever we get away from it, we end up with Nazis on the right and communist dictatorships on the left. I mean, um, but it's all the dragon. 
It's all the dragon. So um, this is a call for us to be asking, you know, very few of us really have the ability to affect global things. But let's bring this down to every day. When I have a conflict at work and I feel threatened by someone at work, the temptation for me is, okay, well, I'm going to build allies. I'm going to tell stories. I'm going to create this thing and I'm going to, I'm going to protect myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the way the dragon, if you're in the midst of a marriage and the marriage is maybe, maybe there is a, a betrayal within a marriage and you have to figure out, okay, all right, I'm going to betray them. Or I'm going to make them hurt or whatever. Or that's, that's an opportunity for you to ask deep questions. If, if, I mean, golly, uh, you know, a million examples of, if you're in school, you know, I, I, I reference this every now and again, if you're a sports team and you know, you know, you could get the ball back if you, you learned how to flop, you learned how to fall, which is actually mm -hmm. cheating. You know, it's calling, it's trying to, you know, you know, make a foul when there's not a foul mm -hmm. and celebrate that, you know, um, maybe there's another way that where you go out of bounds and you, you point to yourself, yeah, it was out on me, out of me ref. I mean, wow. All right. That's different rather than not me. It, it was, yeah, I was the last one to touch it, you know? So the whole point is, is that, um, I actually think the world changes. You know, how, how do you make a Christian country? Well, you could elect Christian politicians and pass Christian laws and you could make it a rule that everybody has to be a Christian. Or you could so love people in a way that people are so compelling that they fall in love with Jesus, they become like Jesus, and people act like Jesus. And therefore, you don't need laws like that. Um, you, you, you become Christian when the people become like Christ. Yeah. I think it also speaks to people don't become Christians because of an, like an external force mm -hmm. that tries to put it on them. No, we, we, yes, we have history. We also have our own experiences of growing up. Some of us with in Christian families or, and, and being told what to believe yes. that doesn't, that doesn't lead to conversion. Right. It's, it's Jesus in their hearts. Yes. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and I mean, the example of parents and the example of family and, and that's one of the things that's been so tragic about this last couple of years three, four, five, maybe more years is that there's just been, I mean, there's just been a lot of, we're Christians, but economically we act like the dragon. Politically we act like a dragon. I mean, how we work at work, we act like the dragon. We go to church and we say the right things and, and we're really into that part of salvation where I get to go to heaven one day and he's justified me. But that thing of sanctification where I actually work out my salvation to live and act like Jesus I should do some of that, but I don't really take it seriously. So part of this is on the church. Part of this is on the church where we have made positional salvation separate from actual salvation. So, so not just free from the penalty of sin someday, actually growing to be free from the presence and the power of sin more and more as we mature so that people see, oh, they've got a testimony by the way they live. So that, I mean, that, that's, that is the wonderful opportunity we have. That The one thing we're going to find when we finish Live No Lies is that the book doesn't end with, it's bad. The book <laughs> is remarkably hopeful. And he sees this as an opportunity for renewal because his point is, you know, this Christian, uh, Americanized version of Christianity that separates actual discipleship from belief is run its course. And particularly the younger generation has no tolerance for it. It, it just, I mean, oh, yeah. we're hemorrhaging young people because they just say, we saw it in our parents. It doesn't work. We don't want it. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Um, but he says, and I would have been one of them. Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't for the grace of God. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I mean, you know, some of you are listening, you know who you are and, um, and you're not walking away from Christ, but, but, but that part of Christ where we've subtly cozied up with the dragon on some, some things. Um, so, so, so that's run its course, but his point, and I think he's so right. I've actually said this, been saying this for a while. The other major ideologies of our age are running its course too. Postmodernism is running its course. People are saying it doesn't make sense. It's incoherent. It does not lead to any kind of human flourishing. The new materialism is running its course. It's not, not only is it not intellectually satisfying in, in everything always was but couldn't be and there's no understanding of origin and morality doesn't make sense and look at nations that have embraced it where they end up. Look at people who embrace it, the kinds of lives they live. So people are doing the math that that has run its course as well. You know, the new secularism and materialism that you just buy more, the hedonism, that is running its course. You know, uh, you know the, the sexual liberation where anything goes and you find fulfillment, your bodies don't matter. These ideologies are running their course, just like the fifth century, just like the, the time of the Reformation, just like, you know, the Great Awakenings in America. I mean, this has happened before where there was just people just saying, we need to come back to what this is really all about. So um, he, he really is advocating that this is a time for renewal, unlike anything else. He does point this out, though. He says, this only happens when the church is willing to reinvest in a real and true robust form of discipleship. So, I mean, if you look at the Great Awakenings, really what drove the Second Great Awakening particularly is the Methodist movement, a Wesley's method, these five disciplines they embraced. You know, Wesleyans, I mean, uh, the, the Methodists, they were, followed Wesley's method, they were serious Christians. Pietistic movements in, in Europe coming out of the, the wars. Um, the, the Reformation, the, the monastic movement that comes out of the 5th century. These are people who said, okay, we're back all in. So, yeah, so... Um, I, I, in spite of everything I'm saying, I am remarkably hopeful. I mean, this is what I actually want in Christianity. I, it's all this has run its course in my heart too. I mean, I'm just, I, I just, yeah, we're tired of yes. what's fake and what's broken, yes. what's counterfeit. <laughs> and I just, I, I just want, you know, you know, if there's not a way on the right, there's not a way on the left. I want a third way. Mm-hmm. I want a third way, and I think it's as beautiful as the early church fathers and. Those ones who were the first and best martyrs, Jesus, who it says, who was the first witness, the first martos from the death mm-hmm. dead. So I mean, um, all the way back to the New Testament and the Sermon on the Mount, and everything Jesus said about um, blessed, happy, fortunate, wise, mm-hmm. you know, are the ones who build their their life on my teaching. They build like they're building on a rock. Everything else is sand. And isn't that exactly what history has told us? It just gets blown away. It gets blown away. So, yeah. So there's just a call for us to come back to that. Yeah. Awesome. That was a great conversation, honestly. It was, um, <laughs> I don't know. It Because we spend so much time talking about these things, like I'm always, it's always a pleasant surprise for me the times where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really getting something out of this. <laughs> you know, like this was just a really helpful conversation and and i i think what you talked about with the hope at the end um yeah i feel that 
And I think I feel that for a generation, like everyone's been mourning the, the decline of Christianity yet for me and a lot of people my age and younger, it's, I just see so much hope. Like yes. what I see is the decline in numbers of Christians. Okay, sure. If you're, if you're just counting people who historically their family has called themselves that, and now they're, they're going through a phase of saying like, nope, that's not me anymore. Well, what I'm more interested in is the number of people who are going through significant life change yeah. and who their faith is not just a title that they put on themselves, yeah. but it represents something real. And I see these movements all over our country and around yep. the world. Yep. I mean, when you watch, and you can kind of tell the difference <laughs> when you watch like worship music videos, there's times where it's like, is this real? And then there's other ones where you're like, man, these people seem like they're so there yeah. for Jesus. Yep. And, and and who do I always see there? It, it It's a bunch of passionate Young younger people. generation yep. people who are hungry for Jesus. Yep. And so I, I always kind of question those, those senses. I, I think that, that some of the people who were maybe fans yep. of Christianity, or at least that title had served them, or it was a societal expectation. It was a tool for upward mobility. That's going away. Yep. But I think what we're seeing in, in, in its place is that the spirit's doing stuff right yep. now. Yep. And, um, and whether it's going to look like a great awakening where you see it kind of society wide, or we just end up saying like, wait a minute, the spirit's moving and there are, there's genuine faith growing and happening. That's what I believe is going on. Well, right now. It, it's why Jesus said one of those parables just worth meditating on the kingdom of God is like yeast. It touches one part, starts small, but it spreads to the whole thing. Mm. That's that's what he's. It one of the early church fathers I was reading um, compares this phenomenon and the resurrection to the phoenix. Mm. That that concept of you have this bird and it grows and gets old and then it bursts into flame, <laughs> the whole thing bursts, and then you have this little chick of a new phoenix. I mean, and that's that's kind of the cycle of renewal. And and point of fact, Christianity is not declining. There are more people professing Christ now than ever before, and the number continues to grow. It's growing faster than any other, but it's not in North America. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Africa, particularly in Africa, and South America, Latin America, and China. I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that's why we, anytime anyone says, anyone who begins a narrative, we've got to do something or we're going to lose. I just want to come back and say, so what are you saying about God? Mm. I mean, what are you saying that, that he's, again, I've said it in sermons, he's just up there wringing his hands saying, oh no, what am I going to do? My people aren't mobilizing, you know. Um, if only I was all powerful. Yes, yeah, right. And, and that I had, <laughs> that I was worthy to open the scroll mm. and play out history the way it's supposed to play out. Um, so, I mean, it's just, again, this is why this message is so relevant. If nothing else in Revelation, if nothing else, I just want people to hear, we win. Mm-hmm. We win. I mean, and we've won. I mean, that's one of the major messages in Revelations is we've already won. And uh, so we don't have to, we don't have to worry about that. We, we're in the battle and we wage war, but not, as Paul says, we do not use the weapons of the world. The weapons we have are powerful, divinely powerful, to demolish, demolish strongholds. You know, it's all about taking thoughts captive. It's about ideas. It's about having better ideas based in, on Christ, mm. making it, it, making all these things um, um, under the authority of Christ. It's, it's yeah. a totally different way of thinking about life. It makes me happy with the, the new song we've been introducing to, you know, this is how mm-hmm. I fight my battles. Yes. Just reminding ourselves over and over and over again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's never wrong to worship. Yeah. It's never <laughs> wrong to worship. Never, you know, a bad idea. So. Awesome. All right. Well, 
Let me pray. Jesus, you are worthy and you are just and true and you are the one who opens up scrolls. Help us, Father. Help me to just, um, oh man, just recommit ourselves to the way of the Lamb. In every interaction today, may it be patience and kindness and goodness. May it be the fruit of the Spirit. May it be love. May it be um, going the extra mile, turning the other cheek, um, speaking forgiveness that I might live fully in your forgiveness. May it all be born from the fact that we do know you so that we are the ones who, when you return, you do not say, I never knew you. You say, welcome, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. May we be the faithful bride, the faithful bride of Christ dressed in white. Um, and, and may we just honor you in this. May our hearts be full and renew in us again the hope of um, just following you in the midst of, of these crazy times. Fortune in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.